When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast, the first game preview of the season, getting ready for the Friday night tilt in Evanston against the Northwestern Wildcats. We are here to preview that game in its entirety. We have also some hot takes from you guys on Twitter. I put out the call earlier this week and said, uh, basically, give us your hot takes for this season as we go into week one. And we will touch on those on the podcast. That way, if your hot, if your hot take, if your bold prediction comes true, you will have that receipt on the podcast to say, I told you so. So we'll get into all of that. We got a little bit of news to kick off this podcast as well. Uh, but before we get to that, Scott, it's Wednesday morning, early Wednesday morning. How are we doing today? It is early. I'm not even through my first cup of coffee, but I'm excited to be here. We've made it, I think. I mean, technically, we can't say the offseason is over. There's, uh, as we record, two days left, but uh, feels like we're finally in season. We're getting to that in-season schedule, uh, and uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Who could complain about football in two days, finally? Some MSU football, for better or for worse. We're going to have something real, something tangible, something fresh to talk about, some game film. Um, and we're going to have a lot of fun this season. So I'm, I'm stoked. The coffee is, uh, is only going to add to that as we get into this one. Yeah. And it's fun. I, I kind of like these Friday night openers, like at the beginning, it just felt a little weird. I don't know. It, it felt high schooly, but it is kind of fun having most, the whole country is going to be watching. I mean, all of the college football fans out there, it's the only game on. So for all the college football fans that have money on something, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say, okay, it's Friday night. I got nothing else to do. Let me put 20 bucks on this Michigan state Northwestern game and, and tune in. So we're going to have eyes around the country on this one, which is, is could be good or bad depending on the results, I guess. But like I said, we'll, we'll get into all of that. Want to start off with some podcast news here. Uh, Really excited to announce that we are joining up with the Pigskin Podcast Network from Amaze Media Labs, the Pigskin Podcast Network. We were uh, fortunate enough, the, the folks over there reached out to us a couple weeks ago about this opportunity. Uh, we decided to hop on with them. Nothing's going to change about the podcast. Nothing's going to change about the two of us, the way we do our content, the time we do our content, our Twitter, nothing's going to change just, just for those people listening. But um, it is an opportunity for us to, to grow the brand a little bit as, as we're getting into our second year of the podcast. It's a, a really good opportunity for us. Uh, and the other side too is, is it gives us an opportunity to get some input from other folks. I know I already reached out uh, as part of the podcast network. There is the Orange Bowl Boys, which is a Miami football podcast. So we can get some insight from those guys going into the Miami game. We'll we'll try to set up like a um, uh, an interview with them and and get some insight on on that team before that week. So a lot of uh, exciting opportunities for us. But like I said, on on your side, nothing's going to change. Uh, but that is launching here today. So you'll see some stuff on Twitter. Uh, I think there's a Detroit Lions podcast out there on the network. There's a couple fantasy football podcasts on the network. So 
just check it out. Um, it, it supports us a little bit and, and it gives you guys an opportunity to, to go out and listen to other great podcasts. So uh, really excited about that. And yeah, before we get into this Northwestern preview, let's hit some of these hot takes, shall we? So I called for bold predictions. This was, I think Monday, I put this out. We got, I think eight responses. So how we're going to do this we're going to rifle through these pretty quick, but I want to make sure we we give a second to each of these. And Scott, what we're going to do is just give a yay or nay on a greater than 50% chance of this happening. So uh, obviously these are bold predictions. These are nothing that's, oh, these are locked and loaded, 100% guaranteed. But is this a greater than 50%? Can you lean this way and say, yeah, I could definitely see that going uh, working out this way. So we'll start with SL Brownie. Our guy, Scott L. Brown says that Cal holiday will start at least one game at linebacker this year, Scott, yay or nay. Well, just looking at the stats and we know there's five linebackers that Mel Tucker feels pretty good about. He's probably one of them, but he's probably the fifth one. So just statistically with two spots open, I'm going to say nay, it's a lot of, a lot of turnover. I don't think you want to be rotating five guys. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say nay on 50% certainly could happen. Um, and I don't, we don't technically know the pecking order. I'm just saying he's the fifth linebacker on a hunch, um, based on where he was at the end of last year and who we have now. So I'm going to say nay on that one. I'm also going with a nay. I think he's going to get reps. I think he's going to be out on the field, but I just don't see him cracking that starting lineup with only two starters. It makes it really difficult for me to say that. So I like the take. I think he's going to get some reps, but I don't think Cal holiday will start a game this year. Jer bear at JD underscore Jer bear says Jalen hunt becomes the best player on the defense. Scott, yay or nay. The best player on the defense. Um, I'm inclined to say, yay. I, I'm a Jalen Hunt stan. I like him. I think he's going to have a breakout. The coaches were going nuts about him uh, this offseason in the spring. Cooled off a little bit in, the, in, in fall camp, but he had a great season last year. He was not a starter, um, at least not the entire season. He wasn't on the field every snap, but he made his presence felt every time he was on the field. Um and yeah, I mean, when you look across this defense, there's not a whole lot of guys where um, who who could compete for quote unquote being the best defender who we don't kind of already know their ceiling. Guys like Jacob Panashuk, Xavier Henderson, obviously great players, but they've been around a long time and, and haven't, you know, looked particularly different um, season in and season out the last couple of years. So yeah, I like Jalen Hunt. I think he could get there this year. I'm going to go with a nay here, and it's not because I don't like Jalen Hunt. I think he's an outstanding player. I think he's in for a breakout season. But if we're talking over or under 50% as the threshold, I think Xavier Henderson, I think Angelo Gross, I think Quaveris Crouch, I think maybe Ronald Williams. I think there's a lot of guys in that group that are fighting for that top dog on the defense. So I'll go with the field here and I'll take nay, but I can definitely see this happening. I, I think that's a good call there by Jer bear Spartan bot Spartan one, eight, seven, seven, zero. He actually gave us three here. So we're, we'll rattle through these real quick. Uh, number one, Noah Kim will be QB two by the end of this season and the starting quarterback in 2022. That one is spicy. You know, I want to say yay just because I love Noah Kim. Kim Sanity is is a it's kind of a passion project of mine. But no, it's not going to happen. I don't see why he'd be QB two when we have two good options. Um, and next year, I think the competition level is going to be really high. Um, and you know, he's in his second or third year on campus and hasn't really even knocked on the door. So that's a nay. Yeah, I'm going with Nay. I think, like you said, there's two good guys on the roster this year. Next year, you're going to be looking at Caten Hauser coming in. Peyton Thorne presumably will still be here. You got Hamp Fay with another year with the staff. I I just don't see that one. Number two, King will not survive the Bama defense, paving the way for MSU's third straight victory. So I don't know if he's saying Derek King 
the Miami quarterback will be hurt and won't play for the Michigan State game or that he'll just be banged up. Um, but either way, he's predicting a Michigan State win against Miami, one that we both predicted as a loss in our in our season predictions earlier this week. So I'm I'm guessing we're both going with a nay, but Scott, any other yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with an A. If if De'Ara King, I guess, is, is injured, we have a lot better chance of winning that game. But um, that's pretty speculative, and I don't want to uh, I don't want to put my neck out for a player getting injured. Um, yeah, and, and like you said, we we both predicted a loss in that one, so can't go back and say I think it's likely any at this point. Yeah, I'll never root for injuries in general, so I'll go with Nay. And then number three, game day will show up for the Michigan game. Nay, um, while we're talking about it, we can t- we can check kind of what the competition level is like. On yeah, I meant to week. I meant to pull up the schedule here before I did it. What week are we playing them? Week I want to say nine. Yeah, week nine. So you've got. So we we while you're looking that up, we talked about the possibility with the opening schedules for both teams being relatively favorable there's a pretty good chance of this being a a ranked matchup but i'm looking at this schedule now there is a zero percent chance that game day is coming to east lansing for that one we've got yeah so iowa wisconsin no yes uh ohio state penn state georgia florida We know ESPN loves the SEC, (laughs) and Georgia, Florida is a pretty darn big one. And then a nightcap with North Carolina and Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not happening. I'm sorry. Which I I'm not mad about. I I just game day being on campus doesn't really do much for me. It was on campus like four times while we were students, and I didn't go to a single one. I just it's not really something that's super interesting for me. So. Yeah, that's a hard nay, and I'm not too upset about it either. So, And that game will likely be on a Fox network, uh, as it has been the last few years, yes. so that would eliminate it as well. North Carolina UNC, I guess, would be out because it'll be NBC. Um, as is that Notre at Dame Notre Dame? There. It is. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, so moving on yeah. here. AJ Morgan, AJ Morgan 25 at the star legend 19 MSU shocks the world and wins 10 games. And they're a playoff contender <laughs> hashtag tuck coming. I'll start this one off with a hard nay. I, this team is not ready for that, man. I, I like what we got going. I like that the arrow is definitely pointing up for Michigan state and Mel Tucker and the recruits that are coming in in the 2022 class are already showing some progress. The, the roster is certainly better than last year, but there is no way that this is happening. I'm sorry. I would love it. I I'm absolutely rooting for this every single week, obviously, but no, no. Yeah, no. The only way I guess 10 wins, if you include a bowl win would be like it. I would put our ceiling at like eight wins and 10 wins is like the roof of the house. Um, you know, nine wins i i told you and uh the pod that the first time through our schedule i came out with nine wins and then i had to to pull back the reins um so there's i guess a pathway to thinking we could win nine and then add a bowl bowl win there obviously not a playoff contender but no it was a very unrealistic very green colored glasses of me and uh above 50 percent no above five percent (laughs) no Above half a percent, probably not. Probably no. So, yeah. no. <laughs> All right. How about this one? Slightly more reasonable. Spartan JJ says nine and three with losses to Miami, Ohio State, and Indiana. A trip to the Outback Bowl on New Year's Day. Ten wins and a final ranking in the top fifteen. So he's saying ten wins, including the bowl win. Nine wins in the regular season. Uh, I'll also say nay. I I think. I you you listen to my season preview. I have this as a six and six football team. I could stretch it out to seven. I don't think I could stretch it to eight. I definitely don't think I could stretch it to nine. So yeah, this is the dream scenario. This is I think the exact scenario I had in that nine win uh first go, and that requires an upset victory of Penn State, a win against Michigan, and 
a win against Northwestern, a win against Nebraska, Purdue, Maryland. I mean, you're really, you got no room to, to breathe. Um, and, and this team is going to make mistakes. Like this is the perfect time of year where you forget how easy it is for football teams to implode any given Saturday. Um, and we're going to lose some games that are going to make us want to bat, bang our heads against the wall. Um, it's going to happen. You, you don't predict it, but it's going to happen. I mean, we could drop a game to Maryland. We could drop a game to Nebraska. You know, all these games that we kind of, I feel good about. You kind of feel like, you eh, we might have that one kind of in the back pocket. And Well, football is a game of chaos. Um, so could it happen? Sure. But again, unlikely. All right. Two more to get to here. The first is from Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac Sparty on Twitter. He says that Thorne is the starting QB and he throws for 3000 yards and 25 touchdowns. The last full season that we had in 2019, Brian Lewerke finished that season with just a hair over 3000 yards and 17 touchdowns. So can someone replicate about what Brian Lewerke did in 2019 with just a little bit more. That was in 13 games. That includes the bowl game. Um, so you would you would be looking at uh, around the same yardage output with an extra eight touchdowns, close to an extra touchdown a game from what Lewerke did in 2019. I'll say yay. I think if you believe that Thorne is going to be the starter, I, I think 3,000 yards and 25 touchdowns is within reach. Uh, 25 touchdowns is the hard part for me to see, but uh, this is a rushing attack that really has struggled the last few years. So if it's going to be an offense, that's going to be productive. I think we've talked about, I think the passing game is going to be required and leaned on for sure, especially with these top two receivers. So I'll go with a yay with like a very slight lean to the yay, just to have some fun here. I love this one. It's uh, it's right there uh, as a hot take, but a, a realistic one. I'm going to go with Ye as well. Again, the touchdowns will be tough. But when you look at last season with bad quarterback play, um, we had over 1,600 yards in seven games and 11 touchdown passes. So uh, we were kind of on pace. Would have needed it again pick up the touchdown numbers a little bit with an offense offense... that scored like 18 points a game. (laughs) Right. So assuming that that's going to come up when you have zero rushing touchdowns, it makes your passing numbers, I guess a little sexier, but, uh, but yeah, I think this is realistic. I I did go out and say, I think Peyton Thorne will be the starter to a complete hunch. Um, does, was this passing touchdowns or total touchdowns for Peyton? It just Thor? said touchdowns. So, so if we can include his legs, that. he throws you know. for. Okay. So I guess passing, right. but I was gonna say I think he could get, if he's the starter. I think he's good for maybe three to five rushing touchdowns this season. You know, a little red zone scramble action, uh, maybe a little option attack. I don't know. We'll see, but uh, I think he could sneak a few more in there. But if we're talking throwing twenty-five, that's going to be the hard number to get. I think three thousand is realistic with the big play potential on this offense. Um, if he stays healthy and plays a full 12, 13 games. All right. I actually messed up there. We have two more uh, from here. So the next comes from Luke Baker, LW Baker 33, one of the OGs following the podcast. He says that we briefly cracked the top 25 once this season due to the way our schedule lines up. This is actually something we touched on a bit in the pre in the predictions. If you, go out and win the Northwestern game. It definitely sets the table for, we both have predicted a five and one start. So you come out of a Rutgers win five and one, that could definitely get you into the top 25. Yeah. I think that's the time in the schedule to crack it. Um, We talked about that. I mean, Five and one usually gets you. I mean, if you're not getting in the top 25, you're right on the cusp. It depends on obviously the chaos ahead of us. It's going to take a good few weeks, especially if we drop one to Miami to really build some buzz. Um, you have to be competitive in the Miami loss. If you assume that you, you can't go out and yeah. get blown out by three touchdowns and yeah, they're five and one, but we didn't really beat much and, and we got blown out in the loss. 
there's going to be a lot of five and one teams remember with non-conference schedules. So we got to keep that in mind. Beat Miami. And I think definitely you could be there in the first four to five weeks, but I, neither of us expect that to happen. Yeah. I'll still say, yay. I, I think the five and one start with a loss to Miami. I think that gets us at like number 25 until we, uh, the, the Indiana game, which we have as a loss. The I'll last one just for parody's sake, but it's going to be close. The last one here from Luthon Spartan at Luthon S on Twitter says it becomes a two headed backfield with Collins and Collins out touches Walker barely. Also Hayward finishes third overall on the team and catches at tight end. So this, this one's Let's spicy. This one up. So first I'll take the Hayward one and just say, nay, I think Hayward's going to be involved, but third on the team in catches. I just don't see him being as involved as he would need to be um, fourth or fifth. Sure. Third in catches. I, I think that's a little hefty. So I'll take the nay on that one. Yeah, I think it's pretty unlikely we're going to have a third receiver out there. Hopefully we'll get some stability with that third receiver. We're going to have, uh, I, I don't expect Connor Hayward to be the first pass catching tight end option on the team. I think he's going to have his packages, but I don't think he'll be the quote unquote starting tight end. And without that consistent role, I think it's going to be real hard for him to crack third overall. It could be a running back too, um, which kind of plays into this next question, but that's a nay for me. Yeah. And then, so back to the running backs, he says that it's a two headed monster with Collins and Walker, but Collins is the one who actually out touches Kenneth Walker out touches, which means we're, we're counting receptions into this, not just carries, but I'll still take a nay here. I think the, the Kenneth Walker buzz is real. And I think that I, I, we talked about this previously. I can't remember which episode now, but I gave the prediction that this is more of a committee than a lot of people think it's going to be. And I don't think that Kenneth Walker becomes the kind of three down workhorse that a lot of people are expecting. That said, I do still expect him to lead the team in touches uh, by a, a relatively significant amount by 50, 60 touches. I can definitely see that. So I'll, I'll take the nay here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the nay as well. I think Walker, uh, like you said, it'll be uh, a committee approach, but I think he'll still crack at least 50% of running back touches uh, for the team. Eli Collins may be somewhere in the 30 or 40% range with the rest of them kind of smattered between Simmons, Joyner, and whoever else, maybe Hayward back there. Um, I think he's going to be the pretty noticeably the number one guy um, and again, his passing or his pass catching ability at, at um, Wake Forest was limited. I think he only, I think he had less than 10 catches in his career there. Yeah. So maybe he's been working on that this off season, but uh, nonetheless, we will have to turn to other options at least early in the season, probably on third down, stuff like that. That's where you might see Hayward with his pass blocking ability as well. Uh, but no, I think, I think Walker takes at least half the touches for running backs this season. Yeah, so thanks everyone for responding, giving your bold takes. Like you said, they are now officially in the universe. So if this comes true, you can always go back and brag to your friends that you called it. So let's get to this Northwestern preview. I will kind of give some background information on Northwestern for those who didn't watch a ton of Northwestern football last year, who haven't read too many previews and stuff from this year. We'll give you the background info and then we'll start digging into some of these matchups and uh, the pick will come on tomorrow's episode, which will be a short episode. So I know we're, we're withholding the pick from you, but that will be coming Friday morning as we will do the whole season. It is a short podcast that we're trying to keep it under like 10, 15 minutes. So we'll, we'll have the pick for the Michigan state game. And also we will give you our picks for the rest of the big slate of college football games. Um, so we'll, we'll get into more details about that tomorrow when you listen in the morning and kind of see how we set that up. But as far as previewing this game, so Northwestern, they were seven and two last season in the shortened schedule. Obviously they finished as the big 10 West champions. They finished number 10 in the AP after a bowl win against Auburn. 
Uh, this this is a classic Northwestern football team, or at least it was last season. Uh, you had a lot of upperclassmen. You had a great defense. You had an offense that basically just supported the defense and and great special teams. It's it's a Pat Fitzgerald football team. They're going to have good technique. They're going to have uh, a an efficient but not great offense. They're going to be, you know, high effort. All the the kind of stereotypes that Northwestern has been. They were that last year, and they rode that to a seven and two record. Only losses were to Michigan State, as we obviously remember, and in Ohio State, uh, in the Big Ten championship game, twenty-two to ten, they were leading that game for a while. They were hanging with Ohio State, toe to toe. They have a lot of talent returning on this team, but not a lot of players in general. So they are actually last in the Big Ten as far as returning starters. 75% of their production is gone. So from that seven and two team, again, it was a lot of upperclassmen. A lot of them are gone. They had two first round picks from last season that are gone. Now, one of them, Rashawn Slater, the left tackle, he didn't play anyway last year. He opted out. So that's not a huge loss. Uh, but Greg Newsom, their starting corner, he was a first round pick. He's gone. A lot of players uh, have left the building, but this is still a talented team. Uh, some stats from last year that were just mind-blowing. They led the country in touchdowns allowed inside the red zone. So once the defense gave up the field position and the, uh, the opposing offense got inside the red zone, they only allowed a touchdown 30% of the time, which led the country. It's just a ridiculous number. They were also second in the country with only seven plays of 30 plus yards allowed. So they're really, really good at limiting explosive plays. That was 1% of opposing plays went for over 30 yards. So they're, they're just going to funnel everything into the middle. They're not going to let you beat. They're not going to let you beat them over the top. They're not going to let you beat them with, with big explosive plays. And that's how you saw them hang in against Ohio state. They just don't allow that big play. Um, and that's how they set up their defense. But defensive coordinator Mike Hankwitz, who has been their defensive coordinator for the last 12 years, he retired. Uh, he was in the coaching game for 51 years. Uh, so he's gone. They have a new defensive coordinator, Jim O'Neill, who comes in from the NFL. Uh, obviously, Pat Fitzgerald is their head coach. He, you could argue, he has a lot to do with that defense and how it's constructed. So I don't know how much is going to change, but when you lose a defensive coordinator, it is a big deal. Their offensive coordinator is in his second year. So similar to where we were at last year, they were breaking in a new scheme on offense last season without the benefit of practice time and everything. So uh, we might see a better offense from them this year, just given the fact that they're able to practice it and, and have a second year under their offensive coordinator. Uh, the biggest thing here is that I two thirds of the Irish law firm are gone. So they had a three man Irish linebacking group with Patty Fisher, Blake Gallagher, and, uh, and Chris Bergen Bergen is back, but Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher are gone. They take their combined 733 career tackles with them. Uh, Patty Fisher alone, he played over 3000 snaps at Northwestern. So when you talk about linebackers being that quarterback of the defense, uh, they lost two of those kind of guys. So that's going to be huge. They lost their quarterback, who was uh, who was a transfer, Peyton Ramsey. So if if you're looking at kind of they lost their quarterback, they lost their quarterback of the defense and Patty Fisher. Um, so those are big losses for them. And yeah, uh, they, as far as returning players, Peter Skaronsky, he is their left tackle. He is uh, a, probably a first-round pick in the NFL. He was uh, a first-team All-Big Ten player. He's a preseason first-team All-Big Ten player everywhere. Same with Brandon Joseph, their safety. First-team All-Big Ten talent. Um, he is an absolute stud. And Chris Bergen, like I said, their linebacker is, is a key player for them. They have a, a decent defensive line and uh, a good kicker. So that's always important. The last bit of news that, that we'll hit on is that they are they have named their starting quarterback, Hunter Johnson, who we'll talk about in a moment here. 
and they lost Cam Porter to injury. That's a huge loss for them. He led the team in rushing last year. He was a guy that that Northwestern fans and and writers were expecting to have a breakout season this year. Um, He was a freshman who really burst onto the scene, so they were expecting big things in his second year at Northwestern. He's out, which is a huge deal. Um, We'll talk about their kind of lack of explosive playmakers on offense, but he was one of them, so without him, um, they're going to be really struggling to find ways to move the ball in offense, especially early in the year. So that's going to be something to watch out for. But that's kind of the background on Northwestern. And and let's get into some of these matchups uh, when it relates to this game on Friday night. Scott, what really sticks out to you when you're thinking about our Michigan State football team going into Evanston? Are there any individual matchups? Or are there any general philosophies that you're going to be looking out for? Yeah, I think obviously the first thing that comes to mind, uh, especially on the Michigan state side, but on both sides is, you know, for us, who's going to play quarterback and for both sides, how are the quarterbacks going to play? Obviously quarterback is the most important position on the field, especially in today's football Um, on the Northwestern side, Hunter Johnson, we've talked about this before on the podcast, I think, but he has not looked good in the purple and black or purple and white of Northwestern. Um, I think he has one touchdown to four interceptions, maybe even uglier than that. I wrote Um, down like his best game statistically was against UNLV where he went 12 for 25 with 165 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So that was his best game at Northwestern. The stats are ugly. Yeah. Basically when it comes to Hunter Johnson, you're, they are expecting him to be an entirely different player. Obviously, he's, it's been two years since he played. He did not touch the field last year. Um, he played a little bit in 2019 with Northwestern and a little bit in 2018, or maybe it was even 2017 at this point with Clemson. He's had quite a journey, former five-star kid. He had talent, probably still has talent. So it's always one of those where it's like, okay, is, it, is that talent going to kind of bubble to the surface? Are we going to see that Hunter Johnson or are we going to see the Hunter Johnson that we've seen before at Northwestern? Um, and you know, if he can't move the ball down the field, this Northwestern team's really going to struggle. Um, and we'll talk about kind of, that's one of my keys to the game really is shut down the running game and make Hunter Johnson beat you um, yeah, on the, our side. Go ahead. And that's no, I was going to say tied into that is this is an early test is the wrong word, but early opportunity for this kind of brand new Michigan state defensive backfield to make a statement. And if they can go out and shut down the Northwestern passing attack, hold them, you know, under 200 yards, that would be a good start to this season because it is a new group where we're probably going to be looking at two new starting corners. Angelo gross is going to be playing a new position at free safety. Um, and, and this is an opportunity for them to kind of get their sea legs under them it's not starting the season against a, a high flying passing attack. So on the, on the plus side, this is an opportunity for them to make a statement early in the year. The other side of this is if Northwestern is able to consistently move the ball through the air, convert third downs, that's not a good sign for this defensive backfield. So if we're looking at MSU's DBs as a question mark right now, if Northwestern comes out and lights us up, to any degree, uh, that's a sign of trouble. That's a, that's definitely something that we're going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah. On our side of the ball, obviously quarterbacks, who's going to play, who's not, I've said before that I think Peyton Thorne, but it's just my hunch very easily. I'm like 51 49, just based on intuition. It could be Anthony Rousseau, but regardless of who is back there, um, they've got I'm an opportunity on the outside. I'm so excited for that to be finished. Oh my God. <laughs> we are close. My my prayer, my hope is that whoever it is plays well enough that we don't ha- drag this con- controversy into next week. And the it gives next us week. stuff to talk about. So, like you know, as content people, it's it's not terrible. But at the same time, I'm so sick of talking about it. So, whoever plays quarterback, they're going to have an opportunity on the outside. Uh, Northwestern Northwestern is breaking in two new starting cornerbacks. Um, on the outside, obviously, we mentioned Brandon Joseph will be roaming over the top. 
but the combination of Naylor and Reed and all the talent waiting to kind of spread its wings behind those should be able to put a lot of pressure somewhere on this secondary and, and make some plays. So there will be opportunities for MSU's quarterback to make plays. Again, you mentioned Northwestern's really good at limiting the big plays. So it may be a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of mid-range stuff, but you know, a guy like uh, Jaden Reed, you know, short slants, kind of catching traffic stuff and, and make make one or two guys miss, pick up those first downs, those 10, 15 yard receptions could could really carry the team uh, in this matchup. So watch out, obviously, for whoever's playing quarterback at Michigan State. I expect to get a lot of different guys involved on both sides of the ball. These offensive coordinators will be trying to get these quarterbacks comfortable with shorter stuff, easier stuff, high completion rates, screen passes, um, you know, stuff like that. So expect kind of a dink and dunk game, I think, on both sides. It's the way that both of these programs a lot of times operate. But if something opens up over the top, uh, we'll certainly be looking to exploit that and then make a little bit more breathing room for this running game. Yeah, another thing I'm going to be watching is, you know, we talk about breaking in a couple new defensive backs for Michigan State. Our linebackers, I, I'm going to be definitely keeping an eye on. It's something we've talked about all offseason. I expect Quaveris Crouch and Noah Harvey to be the starting duo, but for anybody who listened to Mel Tucker's press conference, he is giving nothing. No, he was not even like naming a starting long snapper. I mean, that dude is not giving any information, uh, which as a, as a team philosophy, I like, I mean, why would you just openly like Northwestern gave their whole depth chart, which as a fan is awesome. You get to see before the game who, who's going to be, you know, jumping into these positions. Like I said, they're another team with a lot of turnover. So I'm sure their fans we're really intrigued to see who's going to be the starting running back. Who's going to be on there at wide receiver. Who, who made that leap Michigan state fans. We don't get any of that until the opening kickoff, which is frustrating. But if I'm a head coach, why am I giving the opposing coach any of that information? I it just, if I have the opportunity to withhold it, I'm going to withhold it. So it's frustrating as fans, but from the perspective of Mel Tucker, I, I can certainly understand it, but uh, like I said, with the linebackers, I expect it to probably be Crouch and Harvey. I'm hoping that it's Crouch and Van Summeren is kind of where where my head has gone recently. I, that's my preferred starting duo. But regardless, it's going to be an interesting matchup for them because, like I said, Cam Porter, their, their running back is out. They do have two guys. Evan Hull is going to be their starter, according to their depth chart. He is a guy who doesn't have a ton of production with only 71 career carries, but he does have seven yards per carry on those rushes. So he's, he's a decent running back who just hasn't gotten that opportunity yet. Their second stringer is coming in a transfer from Bowling Green with nearly 2,000 total yards in his career. So it's certainly at a lower level and Bowling Green is a terrible football team, but it's somebody with a bunch of college experience and, and somebody who's played a lot of snaps ran a, ran the football many, many times. So 360 career carries. So again, similar to the defensive backs, I think this is an opportunity for the linebackers to come out and make a statement, shut down the running game early, make some plays and, and show the Michigan state fans out there that we should have more faith in this linebacker group than we have all off season long with a team that has a decent, but not great offensive line and a decent but not great running back room. I think this is an opportunity for the linebackers to come out and make a statement. Yeah, I'm certainly, we've been talking about, um, you know, keeping an eye on who the starting linebackers are. For me, I think the defensive line of Michigan State has a great opportunity to set the tone here. Uh, we won the game last year because we won the battle in the trenches, which is something we very rarely did last season. And I was surprised that we did against a stout fundamental team like Northwestern, but we did in both directions. We won the battle in the trenches and that won us the game. And I think this defensive line for Michigan state with the returning experience, the, the potential breakout characters, guys like hunt Mallory um, and just the depth and the ability to rotate consistently, stay fresh and um, you know, make plays for four quarters. I think, They've got a great opportunity to set the tone, take a lot of pressure off those new linebackers who are trying to get their feet under them. 
um, and and do a little bit in the pass rush too. So you mentioned Peter Skaronski. I wouldn't expect to get too much production from our defensive end, whoever is opposite him. Um, and then they have seniors at center and they have seniors at right tackle who are returning and started last season. So the guards are the new guys. So I expect the defensive tackle group to be putting a lot of pressure on those guys early in the game, see what they're made of, see if there's a, a mismatch in there that we can take advantage of. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to see this, this group of uh, defensive linemen who, again, has a lot of uh, returning talent and a lot of the new guys that I think we're excited to get some more snaps and some more film on. So win that battle, take away the running game, make it one dimensional force Hunter Johnson to make plays and get in his face. And I think you got a really great opportunity to win this game. And the last thing that I will bring up, and this I think is, is going to be something that obviously Michigan state fans are going to be keyed in on because we've been dying for a productive running game for ages. Northwestern traditionally isn't the team to get the ground game going on, but I think Northwestern last year was actually our most productive running game of the season when you look at our total rushing yards. So uh, again, they're losing incredible amount of experience between Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher at linebacker. Obviously I expect Pat Fitzgerald to find linebackers. I don't think that they're going to be a down group there. Um, Like I said, Chris Bergen's back, but uh, their defensive line again, good, not great. And I think this is going to be something that every Michigan State fan is keying on as we look for a running game, as we look for the offensive line to open up a few holes, and we look for whether it's Kenneth Walker, whether it's Elijah Collins, whether it's Jordan Simmons, whether it's Harold Joyner. I think the running back rotation and how we use those backs is going to be something I'm definitely looking for. But as a whole, I'm going to be looking for what kind of holes this offensive line can open up for us, especially I think because we always watch these games twice. We watch it live and then we watch it one more time through generally before recording the the post-game podcast. So I think realistically knowing how I watch football the first time through, I'm just going to be looking for the running backs and, and who's, who's making plays, who's getting the key uh, touches And then that second time through, I already know that's going to be the first thing I'm looking for the second time I watch that game is just watching, keying on that offensive line. And are we able to open up holes to get these guys some running running room to go through? Uh, Kenneth Walker is a guy who has had a really successful career breaking tackles, slipping tackles, making people miss. But I don't want to be forcing them to do that two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And that's what a lot of running backs from Michigan state have had to do. So first time through, let's see that running back rotation. Second time through, let's key in on that offensive line and see if we're opening up those holes. Yeah. A couple more notes. Um, kind of, as we wind down here last year, you mentioned the productivity in the running game. So Connor Hayward almost broke a hundred yards on the ground. Uh, against Northwestern last year. He had 96 yards on 24 carries. One of the keys that opened a lot up last year was Rocky Lombardi's legs, of all things. Um, I was watching kind of the highlights of this game, the extended highlights, and it if you remember, he had like somewhere between three and five like big, long third-down conversion scrambles. Uh, Ten, I think he converted one that was about 15 yards to the sticks on a third down with his legs. So if it is Peyton Thorne, um, who is at quarterback, obviously with his his running threat that he brings, uh, keep an eye on that. See if those opportunities open up on third down again. Um, Northwestern plays some man defense with their secondary in those situations, which pulls those guys kind of, it it turns their eyes away from the quarterback, opens up some scrambling opportunities. So keep an eye there. And then the last note on turnovers um, and just boneheaded plays specifically on special teams. I'm going to be keeping an eye on how polished those areas are. Obviously last year's opener against Rutgers was a catastrophe in terms of major mistakes, turnovers, blown assignments, just boneheaded plays. Um, Are we sharpening in that area? Was it just COVID, the lack of ability to prepare, the lack of practice time? 
just kind of a case of the yips or is it going to plague us again for another year? Obviously we hope it doesn't. Obviously it's very hard to predict something like turnovers, something like fumbles, but you got to limit those mistakes, especially on the road in a conference game, if you want to come out with a win. So are we going to be able to do that? Mel Tucker, maybe the only <laughs> significant note from his press conference yesterday is that he is going to play quote unquote, the best players we have um, on special teams. So I, I think you'll see guys like Reed and Naylor returning kicks. I think you'll see some maybe starting defenders on coverage teams. Um, he really wants to clean that up. He does not want to be giving up yardage and giving up strong field position um, like we were last season. So keep an eye on who's out there for those. Uh, yeah, that, that's a great point. We, I mentioned earlier, like Mel Tucker's press conference, there was nothing. That was one thing I actually uh, wrote down to, to make a note of because, yeah, the, the quote was, uh, we feel like we have more depth overall in the team and that bodes well for our special teams. We just have to go out and execute. That was something that was aggravating to watch last year, just giving up chunk plays, giving up. Uh, obviously, Penn State, we gave up the punt return touchdown to Jahan Dotson, which really blew that game open for Penn State. Uh, the the special teams was hard to watch at times last year. So if we're going to be going out there using starters on special teams, uh, hopefully that can make an impact. And in a game that we are, is projected to be uh, projected to be close, is always close. Michigan State Northwestern is always a close game. And you're going to look at, you mentioned turnovers. We mentioned special teams. These are huge areas uh, to focus on when you're looking at a close game, especially one that is coached on the other side by Pat Fitzgerald. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to the picks tomorrow, Scott, anything else that we want to make sure we hit on in previewing this game before we get to our selections tomorrow morning. No, I mean, it's just a great opportunity to set the tone. I think it's a phenomenal matchup. It's it's a measuring stick that, you know, Miami would be great to win. It'd be a great upset, kind of a big tone setter on the road, non-conference, high-profile upset. But it's not one that I think a lot of Michigan State folks are expecting to have, you know, a real strong chance of winning. Uh, this one is an opportunity against a high-floor, low-ceiling Northwestern team. You kind of know – okay, it's a Northwestern team. You know what you're going to get. I know it's early season. They got a lot of turnover and that could cause some chaos, but generally, you know, it's going to be a well-coached team, but a winnable game. And it's all, it's just a great opportunity to set the tone, get a first conference win, build some confidence and uh, move into the non-conference schedule with something to hang your hat on. All right. So we will see tomorrow morning if Scott and I will predict a win we did in the previous, in the uh, season predictions, but maybe we've changed our minds since then. You never know. Basically, again, just real quick for how this is going to work through the season. Thursday, we will preview the game and give you the whole breakdown, give you things to look for, matchups to look for, as we did here today. And then tomorrow morning, you are going to have a 10 to 15 minute episode in your feed where we will give you our official picks, who's going to win the game, who's going to win against the spread. Scott and I are going to be running a little contest between ourselves through the season. We'll see if we can incorporate some of you guys into that as well. Listen tomorrow for some details on that. And also we're going to give you some picks for some of the biggest games in college football for that particular weekend. This weekend, we're looking at Penn state, Wisconsin. We're looking at Alabama, Miami. We're looking at uh, Georgia Clemson. There is a lot of great college football on and obviously, we know you guys are Michigan State fans or listening to this podcast. But if you're listening to Michigan State football podcast for 365 days out of the year, you probably are watching other college football as well. So we'll give you some quick hitter takes. We're not going to dive 20 minutes into each of these matchups. We'll, we have national people that'll do that. But like I said, we'll kind of roll out how we're going to be doing this. And it's the preview on Thursday, our picks on Friday. And obviously this week, it'll only give you a short window to listen to the episode before the game. But normally, obviously with the game on Saturday, it'll give you Friday and Saturday to listen to our picks. And we'll be keeping, keeping track of those. Go to the website, standingroomspartans.com, and you can submit your picks for who you think is going to win. 
the Michigan State game every week, who you think is going to win against the spread. So Michigan State is currently a three-point underdog. Do we think that Michigan State can cover those three points? And then we will give you the picks for the rest of the slate as well. And you can make, uh, you will kind of tabulate the fan picks throughout the season and we'll see how you guys do against us throughout the whole season. So the website, standingroomspartans.com, there's an article up there and you can just go in quick. It takes it 20 seconds, put in your votes, who you think is going to, to win against the spread in those matchups. Uh, follow us on Twitter at standing room MSU and at Spartan Martin 18. We're going to be doing some promotional stuff here over the next couple of days as we get the pigskin podcast network off the ground. Like I said, thanks to the guys over at the pigskin podcast network and amaze media labs for bringing us on. We're really excited about this. Like I said, again, nothing's going to change, but uh, it's, it's an exciting opportunity. Anything else before we let the, the people go have a nice Thursday here, Scott. No, we'll keep the picks open until games start, I guess, until the MSU game starts on Friday. So even if you listen to this and uh, you think the fan voting is over, it is not. So if you listen to this on Friday, um, head on over to the website, throw your picks in. Um, We will use the final. uh, We're going to be tabulating throughout the year my picks, Kevin's picks, and our fans' picks, uh, your overall record as we go. So we will use the... Voting at the time of the first kickoff of the first big game, which most weeks will be probably Saturday at noon. This week will be Friday at 9 p.m. So if you hear this, head on over, get your picks in. Uh, we want to get as many people involved as we can. Uh, potentially going to do some best picking if we can make it work out on the podcast this year. So, um, yeah, head on over, get us your picks, and uh, we'll be following along all day Saturday with these picks as well on Twitter. And so today, as we're recording Wednesday, we are William Golston, two days away from kickoff. As you guys are listening, we are the great Charles Rogers, one day away from kickoff. You guys have been listening for the entire offseason, waiting for this moment. We are super excited for Michigan State football to finally be here. Until tomorrow morning again tomorrow morning listen to those picks until tomorrow have yourselves a great thursday we'll see you soon go green go white take care folks